So Money Episode 943, Chana Janelle Ewing, author of An ABC of Equality. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You can't just work your way to wealth. You know, like you you just can't do it. You have to develop relationships. You have to think about your investment strategies. You have to think about how people invest in you, how people sponsor you. Like there's, there's a whole other language around money besides it's kind of like transactional exactly it's hard transactional piece words matter and having the proper language to discuss money and our emotions related to money sometimes half the battle And my guest today believes we must start by teaching important words at a young age. Welcome to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Chana Janelle Ewing is an accomplished entrepreneur. She's the founder and CEO of Genie. It's a self-development platform for Black women. And she's also a recently published author, having just released her first book, An ABC of Equality. The book aims to teach children and everyone of all ages about the world we live in and how to navigate our way through it by breaking down keywords from ability to gender to multiculturalism. And while the book doesn't speak specifically about money, Chana and I had a very deep conversation around our early understandings of what money is, its constructs, its influences, and for me, the all-too-economically charged school cafeteria growing up in Massachusetts, and so much more. Here is Chana Janelle Ewing. Chana Janelle Ewing, welcome to So Money. Thanks for having me, Farnoosh. We are on location at The Wing in Dumbo. How cool are we? We're, we're, we're it. We're it. We're, we're happening. It's happening. Yeah. You know what else is happening? Your book, An ABC of Equality. I'm so excited to read this book to my young ones. You call this book your proudest accomplishment, and you've accomplished a lot. <laughs> um, and I think the funniest thing about this is that it it wasn't something that you like pursued it found you. Tell us about the the story of how this became. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking at my computer one day in February of, was this last year? So 2018. And I get an email from a publisher that's like, hi, um, we have an idea. We want to run it past you. What We're thinking about doing a children's book on equality. Would you have an interest in doing that? And I'm like, um, I actually stopped and Googled them because I'm like, is this like, you know, this are like they going to ask me for money right, next right, and my yeah. social security number? Right. right. Is this like some sort of like random trick from the internet? And they were like a legit children's publisher. I mean, most of the titles that they do are children's books. So I was like, wow, this is so random. But like, yeah, I mean, it took me a while. I didn't say yes initially, honestly. What I kind just, of questions like, did you have? What? Well, one, like, 
why me? That was a very... <laughs> and why, I mean, why you? I mean, yeah. not to sound, yeah. you know, like, why you? Yeah. But what, what was their reasoning? Well, so they said that they had noticed that I did a lot of work on intersectional feminism mm-hmm. um, um, through my company, Genie, which is all about centering the stories of Black women in particular. And so what they, from their point of view around equality, they really wanted to talk about equality from the lens of intersectionality. Mm-hmm. So that's why. And But then they still weren't really clear around how they found me. They kind of were like, there was this like roundabout story of like possibly my publisher might have been sitting at the wing and saw that like, and like they were meeting with a wing member and like wow. looking at like wing kind of like members on Instagram, saw that I was like doing the intersectionality like hashtag a lot through Jeannie. Um, noticed that we had done an event at the wing and was like, oh, she's great. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Yeah. And and for those listening who may not be familiar with the wing, this is a fast growing kind of like collaborative hub, co-working space for primarily women mm-hmm. or women identified. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a member, but I come here often. My co-founders at Stacks House are members. It's really, as, as I'm interviewing you, I'm looking out the window of this podcasting room and I'm seeing someone getting um, her hair and makeup done. Yeah. Um, so they try to kind of integrate your whole life in one place where you mm-hmm. can come and meet someone for work and then maybe you're here till six o'clock and then you got to go to an after work thing. You can mm-hmm. get, you can shower here, you can get dressed here. Most importantly though, you get to connect with some incredible talent. Yeah. Yeah. And my publisher just, I think she was in town. Um, my publisher, they're based in London. She was like in town for a meeting and I guess was like, you know, scrolling through feeds, you know, in this space and like, let me check out some of the members on Instagram and saw that I had done an event. It's like, well, I, like, she's great. So I was like, you know, so shout out to the So to the be wing. intentional yeah. on Instagram. Yes, be intentional on Instagram, yes. Now, from the cover, you think this is a children's book. And I right. bought this book. I bought my copy at a children's store. So right. clearly it is an, a, an audience of children who will benefit from this. But adults also. Tell us about that reception and where this book has taken you. I mean, it's only been a couple weeks since it came out. This is airing a little bit later in September. Um, Tell us about all the different audiences that are captivated by this book. Yeah. So, for instance, yesterday I did an event. It was a story time. And the children were, like, captured, right? They were, were like, they were totally into it. But I looked around at the adults, and the adults were, like, you know, had their their, their cameras out. They were, like, (laughs) I saw one adult, like, taking notes. Notes. Um, you know, I have a, a bunch of adults that come up to me and they, they talk about pronouns. They didn't know, like, um, we, the last letter is, uh, a Z. And so they were like, you know, I didn't know anything about, uh, Zay or Zer or any of these, like, you know, um, pronouns or just like, I, I didn't know even, that. Yeah. yeah Z they were, is for, it's pronounced Zay. Zay or I've, I've heard it pronounced Zay. I've also heard it pronounced Z. Like, okay. so I think it may be the, and it's a pronoun. Yeah. It's a pronoun, but it, I guess like. More to the point, like people don't necessarily understand how to use pronouns or what they even mean. Yeah. So it's like pronouns are have been introduced into our culture. You know, people want you to think about, don't make an assumption around who a person is. Like you see someone and you just automatically say she or her or, you know, him. And so the idea of a pronoun is like, don't make an assumption around the person that you're seeing. You just say that person over there and until they tell you mm-hmm. who they are is when you should like you know use the their preferred pronoun so part of like the book is like introducing these concepts for children but as you say like adults 
have not had an easy to understand, simple resource, accessible resource right. to have conversations around, you know, our world and like how to talk about our, our changing world and what that means for them. I love that G is for gender and you say gender is a category that describes the inside feeling of being a boy, a girl, both, neither, and everything in between. I think this is going to start a lot of good conversations in many schools and households, a much needed conversation. You know, it's reading, flipping through the book, I also started to think about, so it's 20, almost 2020. If you had to write this book 10 years ago, do you, do you think you could have done it or, or what would it have looked like? I don't I don't think that I could have done it even though, so I studied African-American studies in college. So I've had the benefit of thinking about um, identity for a long time, but from this like highfalutin sort of way, right? Like this like- Academic. You know, yeah, very mm-hmm. academic, you know, like talking about social constructs and like just, you know- if you had to, if you had said to me ten years ago, or even actually prior to writing this book, how would you define race? How would you define gender? How would you define, you know, sexuality? You know, how would you define any of these things? I would have a whole like thirty minute back and forth conversation with you. Mm-hmm. So what I think what um, what I enjoy about this book, and I for my own personal benefit, but also for other people, was just this ex- exercise in distilling down terms that people are throwing around all the time, um, even in a way that they weren't doing, like, you know, 10, you know, 10 years ago, like everyone's talking about identity now. Diversity mm-hmm. is really um, at the forefront in corporate America, you know, a lot of ways that it was not before, like immigration conversations are at the forefront, gender, like, you know, class, like all these topics, even though they've been a part of our culture, they have... Um, they have existed maybe outside of the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know. People don't have the language. Yeah, you didn't have the language. People, and, and it also just wasn't even like, um, ex, almost like it wasn't acceptable no, in some way. Right. You're right. worried about offending. You're exactly. worried about stepping on people's feelings. Right. And I think this is a great icebreaker exactly. for those adult conversations even that exactly. we haven't had yet. What do you think is going to be like the next edition of this book? Because as you say, we've come a long way in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Think about the next 10 years and what are the ABCs of equality in 2030? Right. So, I mean, so the book is, it starts, it's a conversation starter, right? And we like go through, you know, 26 different concepts. I think it'd be really cool to like really drill down on each concept. So if we're saying like A is for ability, you know, really talk about disability and what that mm-hmm. looks like, you know, and how we can be better allies to people who are um, disabled, how we can talk about our own invisible disabilities. Mm-hmm. You know, part of like the, the, the piece around the book is like to break down the binaries that exist between people. So either you're disabled or you're not, you're a man or you're a woman, right? Like there's these like binaries that have been set up to kind of categorize people. But mm-hmm. that's actually what we're what we're understanding now is that those binaries never really existed, right? And also they're harmful because what ends up happening is that like, you know, uh, if you have mental health, for, if you have mental health challenges, right? That's a category of disability that people don't necessarily talk about or mm-hmm. think about, right? And, and so how do we have people that are having um, those type of disabilities have conversations with people that are, you know, have visible disabilities, right? So I think it'd be great to kind of like 
um, dig dig a little deeper into each term mm-hmm. and dig a little deeper into each experience so that we can really um, uh, move past um, a very like very siloed conversations and really talk about what is like what's the lived experience of of all of these identities at play. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about you, Chana. Yeah, and what how you arrived here. I all I know about you is that you went to the University of Virginia. Yeah, as far that's as far back as yeah. I have. <laughs> so take me even like fifteen years prior to yeah. that. I love to ask guests on this show about a a meaningful experience, a pivotal time in their childhood that actually was very educational around money. Mm. So we, this is a financial podcast. So we mm. want to talk about, and I want to write an ABC of money or like an ABC mm. of financial mm. quality. If you know any publishers mm-hmm. who are looking for that. Mm. I do. I feel like that's a whole education yeah. too. And also it does bring in a lot of the conversations that we need to be having about you know, race and gender and the gaps and all those things when it comes to wealth in general. That's sidebar. But tell me a little bit about yourself growing up and what were the influences that uh, guided you and then maybe even like a financial lesson you learned along the way? Yeah, absolutely. Such a great question. So my early experience of money is my early experience of an awareness around class. Um, You know, gifted programs are now a hot button topic in in New York. Um, I was actually one of those kids in Boston who was a part of a gifted program where, you know, they kind of pluck um, certain kids, a few kids out of their working class neighborhoods and put them on this gifted track. And then I went from that gifted track into an exam high school Mm -hmm. um, and then went to a prestigious university. But in all of that, what ends up happening is you just, you have a constant awareness of, your lack of money in relation to your peers. Yes. And also like yes. the interesting thing about that is not only your lack of material wealth, but also your lack of social capital, right? And I think mm. that's started yes. to become more clear to me as I've gotten older. Like the things I didn't learn um, about money have a lot more to do with um, the things I didn't learn about money and its relationship to people and connections and, and power and, and all those dynamic, like the social constructions mm-hmm. of money, which have a lot to do with class. Like that stuff is um, really bubbling up for me now as an adult where I'm like, oh, I was trained to be a worker bee, right? Like if you're, if you're a working class person, what you're taught is that like if you work, then you get paid and then you'll get paid enough in order to like survive, right? But that's fundamentally not how things work. <laughs> That's not how things work. There's a whole lot of things that go into that, right? Like, how do you make money work for you? You know, are you make are you doing what's your worth? What's your value? Exactly. Right? Like, how do you communicate your value at at your job? Are you developing relationships to, with the people at your job to get the next level mm-hmm. of it? You know, it's like survival, though, as you yeah. mentioned. And and you pivoted to entrepreneurship exactly. quite early in your career. Was that always the plan? It wasn't always the it wasn't always the plan to be um in on entrepreneurship, but it was always like I arrived at entrepreneurship at a real need to be creative, mm. not necessarily as a way of thinking about wealth building on all the implications of that, or, you know, you're growing a huge company or that you're, you know, you're going to have employees. And, you know, it was just like, oh, I have a vision for the world. And I feel like business and entrepreneurship 
is a way to achieve that vision, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the things that I'm learning about money now and about like um, how money moves is that you you can't you can't just work your way to wealth. You know, like you you just can't do it. You have to develop relationships. You have to think about your investment strategies. You have to think about how people invest in you, how Mm -hmm. people sponsor you. Like there's there's a whole other language around money besides it's kind of like transactional. Exactly. It's hard transactional piece. And that's the thing that I'm like most interested. I would learn would love to even learn from you. What have you learned about like money and it's capacity beyond the exchange. Yeah. Well, similar to you, like as I'm hearing you talk, I'm, I'm remembering growing up and the lunchroom mm-hmm. is such a scene, right? Mm-hmm. And in our school, the hot lunch kids had to sit on one side and the kids who brought lunch from home with their sandwiches and like the mommy notes and all that, you know, they sat on, on the right side wow. of the cafeteria. Now- Economically speaking, what the school is essentially doing is dividing the classes, right? And at age seven, you're suddenly like realizing, oh, the rich kids bring lunch from Mm -hmm. home because their mom doesn't work and that's a privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, you learn this later in life, right? Hindsight. Mm -hmm. But you're like, it was like embarrassing to be the kid and you couldn't sit with the other kids. Mm -hmm. Like there was – I don't know why they did it that way. I think it was just maybe for (laughs) – they wanted an easier cleanup. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But schools, now I'm thinking, you know, schools are often resistant to teaching financial literacy. They say, oh, well, we don't have the faculty. We don't have the curriculum. This is too complex. Kids won't get it. But guess what? Just You're by the it. nature of how they are systemize, systemizing like right. the school and running the school, you're right. teaching kids something about Absolutely. money that's not necessarily healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because at what that does is like, it automatically puts you in a spirit of lack, right? Right. Like you're now, and what I'm learning about money is that you have to constantly. There's a, there's a whole element of like constantly being feel, feeling like you are able to make it, right? Like that there's an abundance. There's so much out there. You could do this. You could do that. But if you start off with this element of like, <clears throat> there's a lack. You know, there's like, you know, other people have it and I don't. That's a piece that you have to overcome to even make more money, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, to your point around financial literacy, um, people they're saying that they don't have the resources, but they're already teaching more or less. <laughs> like, yeah, they're already teaching a form well, of financial. Well, everything's literacy. got a financial. Like the money's everywhere. Right. Like financial lessons are all over. Right. Um, and because it is ultimately about how we how we value ourselves and how we you know, social constructs and it, it's a, it's a whole study and I'm, your my mind is going a million directions right now. I'm thinking like this could be a really interesting TED talk or like, you know, a book, but speaking of entrepreneurship, let's talk about Genie Box. Yeah, absolutely. I love this concept. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the whole vision around Genie is that, you know, people talk about all the time, like how black women um, are like trendsetters, right? Mm-hmm. So, they have the biggest labor market participation rate of any other group of women. Mm. Um, and they also seek the C-suite at four times the rate as white women. Um, and they're also the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs. So on a, a, a longer, long, a lot of di- dimensions, black women are super ambitious, right? But how often do they even get 
into the C-suite. I just read a statistic yesterday that said that at, in terms of venture funding, it's 0.00006% of black women getting venture funding. And this is the the fastest growing group of you know women entrepreneurs. Tiffany Dufu just raised yeah. a million dollars. Yeah, she raised a million she, dollars. I was reading her article before right. our interview about how hard it was. And she's Tiffany Dufu. And she's Tiffany Dufu. You're Dufu. best-selling author. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like she's Tiffany Dufu, and it was challenging for her to raise a million dollars, right? And she had to be a best-selling author. She, she has like, I mean, her credentials are like out of this world. Best-selling author, a, you know, Obama administration alum, you know, level league, like, I mean, you name it. So if Tiffany Dufu, her, like, you know, peak black woman who's at the top of her game um, has a challenge getting to a million, she did get to a million, which is great. A lot of people don't even get to a million. I certainly have not got to a million yet, but that just speaks volumes about the funding environment that we're in. And also just beyond the funding environment, but just the, I would say the general lives of, of black women in terms of like these, this is a group of people who try very hard mm-hmm. but don't necessarily receive the benefits of their efforts. And so Jeannie, what we're thinking about um, is like how do we transform black women's um, leadership, expertise, influence, and have them receive greater value on who they are and what they know by building like the biggest distribution platform that we can build. And so what that means is we have the boxes, but we're also developing partnerships with hair salons, women's spaces, newsletters. So it's like, it's how do we like layer and layer and layer and layer a huge like distribution place Mm -hmm. for the ideas and the circulation of like, of black women and their products, their books and their leadership. So Oprah, yeah, could have done this. Yes, she's a little. She's more inclusive in the in the sense that she's you know she's got the book of the month. For, and yeah, it's not about race for her yeah. necessarily. But has she has she? Have you guys connected? No, but she's literally the model. I'm yeah. always like, yeah. it's little Oprahs and their favorite things, right? You know, like yes, yes, yes. She, you know, she <laughs> is like the model. Like it's like she has figured out how to transport her thoughts like her ideas around spirituality self-development purpose living a purposeful life she's also been able to do this book club you know she like it's she has her magazine so she's literally the model of what i would like to see of wrapped around every single um badass black woman you know like that's essentially how how can we multiply oprah's you know, I'm mm. like I'm tired of an environment in which it feels like there can be a monopoly. Be, exactly. Mm-hmm. There can be only be one of us. Going back to my early experience of being in a gifted program. So, you know, we're only gonna pick these two students that we've deemed worthy to go along this like educational track and we'll resource them a bit more, you know? And so it's like how do we um uh create a, a process, a, a a platform that we can, you know, bring in a woman, figure out what she wants to share, and then blast it out mm-hmm. massively through our boxes and our channel partners. As a woman of color, I can see where you don't you don't know where to turn. Right, right, right. And also, like you know, I, Tiffany Dufu, she was one of our genies. And so, what I would argue too is that, like, for the women, um, like it, it took me a while to like learn some of the things that I know 
today, right? Like, yes. I am an elder millennial. Like, Me too, girl. 30s. I'm an elder millennial. <laughs> right? I love it. Elder <laughs> millennial. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, how do we share some of the lessons um, that, you know, people like Tiffany figure out, you know, quicker, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, a badass Shortcuts. woman. Exactly. Like, what are the hacks? You yeah. know, her, her amazing um, article that she wrote about raising money, like, that's great. Like, that's exactly the type of thing that I would say, like, how do we do that all the time? Like, what are the hacks? What are the favorite products that you love? What are the the books that you're reading? What are the what is, what are the TED talks that you're watching? Like, what are what are what are the hacks to success? Like, you know, and from this, um, from people who have have some sort of shared identity. Yeah. yeah. One of the coolest excerpts from that article I was scanning that Tiffany wrote was very transparent about her process for raising that million dollars. This was very counterintuitive to me, but she said, if someone passes on your um, on your raise, like, oh, I love your idea, Chana, but I, sorry, I'm not the right investor for this. And then they recommend, they would say, okay, I'll recommend you to some other people. She goes, don't take the, don't, don't have them do that for you because you want someone to be out there as your evangelist. You know, like if someone comes to you and like, look, I didn't invest in this company, but I think you should, you know, it doesn't really sit right, right? The person's not going to be that excited to take the meeting or even invest. So that's kind of a wasted effort. I, I love this idea of like, you need evangelists, right? Yeah, like yeah. I think people used to say this word sponsor, mm-hmm. but evangelists are really the key piece mm-hmm. because if you don't have people really advocating on it on your behalf, it makes things that much harder, Yeah, you know? And so I really love this idea of like, who, how, like, how do you, even if you got just one evangelist, <laughs> you know, just even so one great. person yeah. who's going to go to bat for you, who's going to say, yes, this person that idea, that product right now, like we need to invest. I would disagree in one way is that I don't, I think that sometimes um, someone can't necessarily invest in you because that's not their thesis. Like that's right. not what they're working right. on. But if I that, that person, same thought. right. Yeah. But if that person is like, I still think you're brilliant and this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to I'm going to introduce you to this person. I'm going to send a thoughtful email. I'm going to talk about why I'm not able to invest. I'm going to like recommend you for parent. Like, so you can always tell if someone's like giving you the whole like brush away where they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not like, I I can't invest in you, but I'll, I'll let somebody know. And someone who's really like, I can I'm going to, I'm going to do gonna whatever I can. I'm going to move the needle. Yeah. Some, Cause you, you know, never know. Way. I sort of feel like it can, it can't hurt. The more people know about your concept, your idea, um, that's sometimes the biggest challenge is just awareness, right. right? Getting more people to know what you're doing and what you're up to. Um, so our sponsor for this podcast is Chase and mm. they have me asking this question, which I love, um, my guests, which is what is something that you do in your life? It could be a ritual, a habit, that helps you achieve financial independence. And this could be either for your business or for you personally. I'll just throw out some uh, examples. So some people are like, I use this app. It's really great. Or I do this monthly thing with my money. Or I have this mentor. Or, you know, something that is conscious um, and and specific in their financial life. I just, I don't, I don't know how woo-woo I should be. Oh, be go there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm really working on... Um, consciously changing the way I talk about money internally. So instead of saying, um, 
I want something really bad or I need, you know, this to happen or like, or um, I always have, you know, using statements like I always have this financial challenge or, you know, it's really hard to do blah, 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 blah. I am using language like I choose to make more money. I choose to find the right investors that will support and advocate on behalf of Jeannie. I choose to budget, you know, weekly. So using language that's more thoughtful internally is is helping me clean up my money um, drama. My, yeah, my money, my money work, Your money work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really so. I guess in essentially what. In that statement, I choose. You're putting yourself in the place of power. Exactly. You're, you're putting the power back in exactly. your hands. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. As opposed to saying money makes me feel this yes. way, or oh, I'm on this like vicious cycle, I can't get off it. Exactly. Like you're being dragged. Or the, this is what the world looks like. There's you know this really it's really challenging for like women of color to get oh, invested. Woe is me. Yeah. Woe is me. Like, yeah. And these are things are these are facts, right? Yeah. But like, what what's helpful is that, is to notice that you have agency. Yes. Beyond the facts that exist, you know, I I want to work on my own personal agency and feeling like it's possible to for me to do things, for me to make that million dollars, you know, to shatter those statistics, for me to not only make that million dollars, but then to also invest in a hundred more women um, getting a million dollar investment, yes. so that we sh- totally shatter those statistics. So that's how I want to think about you know, my capacity. I love that. I really appreciate that. I think that it's very easy to fall into a victim mentality. Very easy because you know, the world's a scary place, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot of wrong, and that that can really burden us emotionally. Um, and hopefully, there will be changes to a you know a coming. But in the meantime. I mean, <laughs> in the meantime, you're not just going to sit there, no. right? Time you know, yeah. it takes a long time yeah. for things to change. There's so. a policy piece to it, but then there's also in, a personal you know, accountability. Exactly, piece. there's a personal piece to be that needs to line up with the policy piece. Chana Janelle Ewing, congratulations! Thank you. An ABC of Equality. It's out everywhere. Everybody, pick up a copy. This is a great gift, I think, for the holidays. But get it sooner, you know, because I think it's going to probably sell out pretty soon. Thank you so much for sharing some time with us. Thanks for having me. You can learn more about Chana and her book at chanaewing.com. You can also connect with her on Instagram at chanaewing. That's C-H-A-N-A-E-W-I-N-G. She's also on Twitter with the same handle. The book again is called An ABC of Equality. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. Money.